It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to BGN Radio. Welcome to This Week in Fantasy. <clears throat> no, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. <laughs> right bgn radio and it is time once again for another this week in fantasy as we break things down all things fantasy who to start who to sit who's going to maintain and who is going to go home i don't really know what that means but i'm just gonna let it flow right into uh, the intros as i introduce everybody around the horn from ff toolbox and uh, right now in Chicago, Illinois, it is Mr. Tony Casali. What's happening, buddy? Oh, just uh, feeling real good. Feeling really good. Finally uh, starting to win some fantasy football games this what, week. What's that like? Hmm. It's it's pretty <laughs> exciting. You should look into it. I'm uh, I'm sitting here with a donut hole going 0-3, so it's, uh, it's not so exciting on this end. But uh, to my right, uh, the man you hear every week here on BGN Radio, uh, along with uh, rotowire.com and 97.5 The Fanatic, Mr. James Zeltzer. What's happening, pal? John, I'm coming off a five and a week. Woo! So so pretty much, yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into a, a, a bunch of different stuff here, guys. We, we came up with the idea of, at this point in the season, if we had to redraft right now, who would our top five guys be? So that that's going to be our main topic. But uh, it just uh, I wanted to get your thoughts just on a couple things here real quick, guys. Uh, Tony, we'll start with you. The two rookie quarterbacks that ended up taking over last week, Teddy Bridgewater and uh, Blake Bortles, both respectively don't have that great of teams. Are you? Uh, do you have faith in either one of them going forward? And if you do, do you prefer Bridgewater or Bortles going forward? 
Yeah, actually, you know, I have faith to a degree in both of them for the long term. I think they're actually both going to be pretty good quarterbacks. Um, but for this season, I think I'm going to have to lean Bortles. I think, you know, I think my problem right now with Teddy Bridgewater isn't really Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to actually have a a pretty decent season for a rookie um, but I think he's not going to, I think he, they're going to ask him to just manage the game. Might have a little bit of rushing yards to help him out a little bit, but no Adrian Peterson, no Kyle Rudolph. They're going to, they're going to have to find ways to get him to just manage the game. And I think that's going to cause a lot of trouble for him. And the, you know, and the team was built to run the ball. So even if there is an Adrian Peterson, they're still built to be handing the ball off. Um, so I, I have a feeling that, uh, Teddy's going to struggle to really get going this year with some of those guys. Now, now Blake Bortles, uh, I think he's actually going to have a little bit better year. You know, again, he's going to have his growing pains. I think he's going to have a tough week in San Diego this week. Uh, wouldn't be, you know, my number one uh, start this week if I was desperate for a waiver wire pickup. Probably wouldn't be Bortles. Um, but going forward, if you were struggling to find somebody uh, as your backup right now, I think he's going to I think uh, the weapons that he has around him, which is a strange thing to say in Jacksonville, <laughs> but the weapons that he has in Jacksonville with uh, Cecil Shorts coming back uh, and Marquise Lee, obviously, uh, once he's playing. Uh, you know, I think he's got a shot at actually a pretty decent fantasy season. I'd actually go the other way, uh, kind of the similar thinking in, in how I came to the conclusion. But uh, first and foremost, Minnesota's offensive line is about, I don't know, 10,000 times better than the Jaguars <laughs> line. Uh, I think sticking Bortles behind that makeshift uh, putrid, really offensive line is going to be an issue. He's going to have no time to throw the ball, make his reads. Bridgewater behind a much better offensive line, an offensive line that has some continuity, returned the same five starters from last year to this year. Uh, has not played great yet this year, but still clearly significantly better than Jacksonville's O-line. Uh, add in the fact that Bridgewater is going to run around a little bit, get you some points on the ground. And then, you know, I think the weapons are, are pretty much a wash. You know, I'll take Cordero Patterson and Greg Jennings over Alan Hearns, Cecil Schwartz, and Marquise Lee or whatever. So I think the weapons are kind of equal on both sides. I, I just think the, the offensive line is going to be the biggest difference added to Bridgewater's uh, a little bit better ability than Bortles to kind of get out of trouble if it does come. So I'd go Bridgewater's. I agree with Tony, though. I, I think you're looking at them as kind of a QB two in two quarterback leagues or, or a backup. I don't see either one of these guys setting the world on fire in the rookie season. Yeah, neither do I, but I still lean Bridgewater as well. Sorry, Tony. Um, just because uh, pretty much for the same reasons. I know there's a, a bunch of people at uh, the bigcatreader.com that would very, very much disagree and say that Henny was more the problem than the offensive line was. I, I don't know. There's just too many sacks that they gave up for me to honestly really believe that. I do think Blake Bortles is by far the better quarterback down there, but again, just, you know, too many... Too many rookies, too many mistakes, not enough point, points. It's it's a still trying to figure out what to do with Toby Gerhardt. Um, I do like Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, Atlanta Green Bay the next two weeks, if you're desperate for a quarterback, might not be a bad option. Um, sticking with quarterbacks, James, I'll stick with you on this one. Kirk Cousins has had pretty back-to-back -to -back phenomenal fantasy weeks since coming in for RG3. Uh, you could say that the defenses that he went up against weren't that great. Uh, do you think he can sustain that, and is he a viable QB1 from now on? 
Uh, yeah, look, uh, he's not going to throw for 427 yards every week, obviously, and three touchdowns. But uh, I actually like what I've seen out what I've seen out of Cousins. I, I think he's makes quick decisions. He gets rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I think he's got a, a super, uh, you know, a lot of ma- amount of talent around him as well. You know, with Garcon and Jackson, and whenever Jordan Reed comes back, and Niles Pauls look good. Uh, you know, Halu really nice in the passing game. Morris to take some of the pressure off, and a very talented offensive line, especially in the run game. But They've pass blocked relatively well, gave up no sacks to the Eagles this past week. So uh, I think that Cousins can absolutely continue at a very high level. I I think he could be a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he will be. Uh, I don't think I would trade a a Cutler or Rivers or one of those guys kind of on the back end of that top 10 for him right now. But, you know, if you need quarterback help, I, I... absolutely think that Kirk Cousins is going to have a fantasy impact for the entire time he is the quarterback for the Washington professional football team. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying it a little bit, John. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with him. I, I mean, you know, we saw a little bit last year, uh, Kirk st- uh, struggle a little bit at the end of the year when he came in in relief, but now he's got a little, a uh, little experience behind him. And it seems like the team is sort of solidified around him. Who's going to give him an opportunity to, to play really well. Uh, you know, right now, Jay Gruden is, you know, you know, they're talking about that, you know, maybe RG3 isn't the guy when he comes back and we're already, you know, it's six to eight weeks. Look, if you have Kirk Cousins on your team, there's probably a chance it's because you needed him. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means you had RG3. You had uh, one of these other quarterbacks that went down or starting to underperform. And if you went into this where you needed him, he's absolutely a viable starting quarterback for you every week. Uh, and if you just got him ahead of somebody because you had a higher waiver priority, then he's an excellent trading chip for you. Yeah, and I think that's more where I lean for it right now. Um, I think Kurt Cousins is a is a 100% perfect for a, a trade of whatever you need. So if he's your QB2 right now and you had picked him up or, or however it shakes out, if you feel comfortable enough going with somebody else, I I, I like, you know, I, he's got a Thursday night matchup. I'm not really sure with it. We all know how Thursday games kind of go. And then he's got Seattle and Arizona and then a break between Tennessee, Dallas, and Minnesota the next three weeks. I don't know. I I think the defenses he played uh, gave him uh, an ability to have that clean pocket. You know, the Philadelphia defense doesn't really have that much much of a pass rush, and they still have an issue there. Jacksonville, again, uh, not that great either, but... Hey, if I'm wrong and that offensive line still kind of keeps holding up through those tough two games, um, then, you know, maybe maybe he can be. But I just, I don't know. I think he's better to trade right now than to kind of hold on to. Uh, other concerns, uh, Tony, uh, is that uh, basically the top five running backs of, of this year's draft, when you're looking at the ADP rankings, not really showing up. <laughs> and that, that kind of... Uh, uh, it, it kind of triggered a bunch of things amongst all of us. And uh, one of the things I thought of, again, is that zero running back theory. And if you look at just kind of how the things have shaken out in the last three weeks, again, it's it's proving its worth because you've got lower-end guys that are scoring way more points than those top-end guys, plus injuries and all that other stuff. Um, I, I know it's kind of a, a tough question to answer because there's five of them. But are any of those out of those five really concerning you? Uh, we'll say four because of the Jamal Charles injury, but 
The other four haven't really performed that well. That when Eddie, Eddie Lacy and Matt Forte, Sean McCoy, all that stuff. How are you feeling about those guys right now? Uh, I have mixed feelings. It depends who we're talking about. Obviously, Adrian Peterson. He was in a lot of people's oh, yeah, top four or five. Right. He's uh, yeah. yeah, and the one you know, that a little bit different child. situation. But I mean, yeah. Uh, but, you know, these are things that happen in the NFL, right? Yeah. So these are things you always have to think about. Uh, of those other guys that are uh, concerning me, I think Jamal Charles concerns me a lot just because of these recurring injuries and his usage uh, and the quality of play in his backup running back uh, makes me think that as he gets back, uh, you know, that there's a chance that Niall Davis is going to really cut into his carries. And the, and the problem with Jamal Charles isn't that he's not, you know, uh, uh, performing well, it's that he'll perform for a little bit and then immediately get pulled from the game. So you're gonna get you're gonna get him starting, and then at the last second he's out, or he's gonna be questionable up until the last minute. So if you're not a Niall Davis owner, you're gonna be just infuriated the whole time because you're never gonna know if you're gonna be able to use this guy. Um, it's sort of the same sort of thing that's going on uh, uh, up in Philadelphia. You don't know how many carries. Or how many snaps Darren Sproles is going to see to take away from Shady's carries. Now, I still have a little bit more faith that Shady's going to turn it around. I do have a little faith that Forte's going to turn it around a little bit. Um, the passing game in Chicago is obviously taking precedence, uh, precedence over the running game. Um, I do think those two can turn it around, and I'd still be happy to have them on my team. Um, but, yeah, it's concerning for sure. No. Not really. I'm not concerned. I agree with Tone that that if I were concerned about someone, it's Jamal Charles, and it's strictly a health thing. It's strictly a, a not knowing if he's going to be out there every Sunday, Monday, whatever it is. Uh, you know, this week, a perfect example, they're the Monday night game against the Patriots. If you don't know Niall Davis, you're pretty much screwed. You really have no idea what to do. You watch practice reports. You hope that you can glean some sort of idea of whether he's going to play or not, but you you really can't. You don't know, and and that's frustrating. So from that perspective, uh, I, you know, I'm a little worried about Charles, but otherwise uh, I have no worries about Shady, no worries about Forte. Lacey, I get the worries. Uh, I think he's definitely a buy low. Do I like him. Would I pick him top five again? No. I, I think there's enough worry to say that he would drop out of my top five. But I, I still think he you know, can produce first-round value. I, I'm not too worried about Green Bay. I think the biggest worry there is more that that offensive line is both beat up and a little bit worse than I expected it to be. So that worries me a little bit. But uh, in terms of, of you know, Shady, Forte, uh, I really have no worries there. I know they haven't looked great, but I think it's kind of just been dictated by with the Eagles, the matchups that they had teams have really keyed on shady. I think the Eagles have done enough offensively to kind of force teams to respect the rest of the skill position players. there, the passing game sprawls that, that it'll open it up enough for shady. Uh, you worry about the injuries on the O line, but from what we've seen, it seems like they can kind of plug and play and stick guys in there and at least have some success. Uh, Forte's just had a really tough schedule. I mean, the, the Jets are, are easily the best team in the league against the run. Um, you know, Forte, you know, the Niners are good against the run. Forte just hasn't really had a chance to kind of get going. So I'm really not worried about those guys. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for that NFC North, uh, especially with Eddie Lacy and Matt Forte. I'm not really concerned too much of them. Um, but again, I you know, Jamal Charles, uh, I'll throw in Shady McCoy in there too. I'm a little worried. I don't know if that offensive line is going to, uh, dig that out. I don't know if he's going to have the kind of rushing yards that he has. He might be more involved in the passing game than we might think, but 
I, I'd say there's a little worry there for me, but this this kind of got us all thinking of like, okay, well, if we're worried about this and we're seeing the performances on the field through three weeks here and we redrafted right now into week four, who would our top five guys be? So I'm going to start with the uh, Mr. Tony Casale. Who would your top five guys be right now if you're redrafting today? All right. Well, I'll go quickly through them. Uh, but uh, let's see. You want to go one to five or five to one? Which is the? the... It, it will. Uh, we'll start from five. We'll go to one. All right. Uh, five to one. Uh, my number five guy. If I was drafting in the fifth spot and the other guys went ahead of him, I would go with Julio. Uh, I nice. love the way Julio's playing. It, I mean, obviously he's coming off of a huge game. Uh, but you know, I was high on him earlier. Now I'm really high on him. Uh, he's proved out. He seems to be a hundred percent healthy. Love him. Uh, number four, DeMarco Murray. Uh, kind of strange for me because he was somebody that the reason why I didn't put him in in the beginning of the season was because I didn't think he'd get the reps. I thought they were only paying lip service to the idea that they were going to be running the ball a lot and one and they would just turn around and throw the ball. Honestly, the only thing that worries me about DeMarco Murray is how many reps he's gotten, which (laughs) blows my mind that that would be something that I'm saying. But he's had 75 attempts through three games. He's been incredibly consistent. Now I'm worried about his health if he can handle all of the reps or if they're going to dial it back a little bit. Um, but he's been very consistent. Uh, number three, Calvin Johnson. I could easily have taken him one, uh, but I love Calvin. Obviously, you don't really have to say too much about him because he was, you know, in people's top five or seven going into it. My man, Le'Veon Bell, I put him at number two. Uh, his skill set is just, it's perfect for for the system he's in. He looks light, thin, fast, uh, jump cuts. Um yeah, he's my guy. He was my guy uh, before, and now he's moved way up my board. Number one uh, would have probably surprised me to hear this before because it's sort of a boring pick, but consistency is king, uh, and that's Marshawn Lynch. Mm. They're going to be running the ball. They're going to be up a lot of games. The only the only time that uh, the only game this year so far he's had that was sort of a, a less than stellar performance was just when they were losing in San Diego. But they're going to be winning most games, and when they're winning. Marshawn's going to be running, and he's going to be getting his touchdown. So consistency for Marshawn puts him at number one. Yeah, I can't, I can't really disagree with that. I know there's a lot of guys that are both on your list. James, who is, uh, who's on your list right now? Uh, my list actually almost exactly the same as Tony. Uh, I have a little more faith in Shady than he does, I suppose. But uh, I, I actually had Julio at five as well, and Calvin at four. I had those two receivers there. Just the consistency, uh, you know, the the what you can count on every day they go out there. Um, I have shady at three. I I just, I can't give up on him yet. Uh, The talent led the league in rushing last year. He still looks great. He just hasn't had the holes open for him. You got to figure as the season goes on the way that team trains, the amount of emphasis that they put on the run that eventually things will open up for shady and he'll be worth owning in that spot. Uh, and I just have the other, the same top two as Tony, but I have them flip flop. I'd go Lynch at two, and and I honestly, I, I don't see how I couldn't pick Le'Veon Bell at one. I just think, from all the football that I've watched the first three weeks of this season, he has been the most impressive player I have watched play. He reminds me of Shady McCoy. Uh, you know, nobody nobody moves like Shady. No one has that vision and then that kind of stop on a dime and cut the other way kind of ability like he does. But if there's any player in the league who I feel like is at least close it's Le'Veon Bell and he's strong and he's physical and like Tony said he looks thin I think he lost some weight he looks he just looks amazing out there Pittsburgh's committed to him the O-line has opened up holes for him I just 
I, I'm so impressed with Le'Veon Bell. I can barely, you know, I, I can barely explain it. I, I, we were all high on him, or at least Tony and I were super high on him coming into the season, and and he's even just well exceeded any expectations I had. So uh, I would have Forte and Murray, actually Murray and Forte in that order as my six and seven, two. They're, they're right there. I really think after Shady, for me, those next four guys are, are really bunched together. But, you know, I think the real reason when I, when I, you know, when I, the, what I liked about doing this idea was just to highlight how good Le'Veon Bell has been. Yes, absolutely. Well, and and uh, you're not going to see any disagreement with me. He's number one on my board too. Le'Veon Bell is absolutely number one. Um, I had um, I had Jordy Nelson on this list. I've I've kind of reconsidered that. I mean, it'd be really dumb to not have Calvin Johnson up there. I, I just figured at one point Jordy Nelson is going to be just the the guy. Uh, no matter what's going to happen, they're going to throw the ball. Um, it's they're going to be behind in games. Their defense is putrid. So it's I, I just figured. There, there would be a lot of points there. I'm going to move him down more towards six, seven, eight. But uh, I will say uh, I have everybody else in there. The only two differences at four, uh, and this might be a little bit of hot take, so warm up that oven, Grandma. Jeremy Macklin is in my top five. And you're going to say, you're going to say, you're going to say, John, you're an wow. idiot. But I'm just saying I, he's definitely a top 10 wide receiver without a doubt. And, um, if he would have hit on a screenplay uh, screen last week, you would have been like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. Consistently wide open, consistently running down the field, getting blocks, uh, making tough catches, um, seeing more targets. I think projecting, I don't, don't quote me on this, but uh, I think more than Deshaun Jackson was last year, and he ended the, uh, you know, the year as the 10th wide receiver. I don't see... Any issue, if you took Jeremy Macklin in one of your top five picks right now, um, and I know that's probably going to get a, a debate stirring here, so I have him there, uh, and I also have Matt Forte at my five. I, d- I don't think that the, just like everybody was saying, the, the you know, he had the Bills, San Francisco, and the Jets all to go. It's the same issue that Eddie Lacy has, and he'd probably be six and, you know, maybe Shady be seven under that. But, um, yeah, I think Matt Forte is due for, a bunch of big games, and I think he'll get one this week uh, in Chicago at home playing Green Bay. Uh, any any issues uh, with the, that top five list, gentlemen? Tony, I'll start with you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> where where do I start? No, actually, most of it's most of it's right in, in line with everything else. I have no problem putting Forte back in the top five. I think he's going to be great. But who's there? Was somebody strange in there? Oh yeah, Jeremy Maglin is number four <laughs> overall. That's a little. You, well, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, I love Jeremy Macklin. I think he is, uh, in terms of in terms of playing over ADP. Yeah, absolutely. He is playing way over his ADP, and he definitely would make my top five playing over his ADP list. Uh, but he does not make my top five overall. The problem with him is there's so many other receivers out there. Is there? That are gonna absolutely. I well, I would have taken. I would if you would have kept Jordy Nelson in there and took Jeremy Macklin. I actually would have thought that was okay. If you would have had Antonio Brown in there, I wouldn't have thought that was too strange. Yeah, uh, great if you point, would have gone Brown. with If you would have gone with any of the Bears receivers, I would have even said okay, yeah, top five, maybe not. But uh, I'm just, I, you know, I love Jeremy Macklin and I love your enthusiasm. I really do. I just don't have him in my top five. If it was a, if we were doing our first year, I, pr- I probably put him at the the thirteenth or fourteenth overall. Honestly, I, I think he's I think he's excellent. I'm just don't have the confidence of a sixteen uh, a sixteen game season of health 
and high production. Yeah, I mean, maybe Philadelphia plans on needing to come back in every single game they play, and they will absolutely have to throw the ball. But you said it yourself. They're a team that's built on the run, and if they intend to actually be leading one of the games that they're playing in at the half, they won't have to throw the ball quite as much. And uh, I I don't think his numbers are going to sustain quite the level he's at. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying... the other thing, too, is I, I, I tripped myself up because I was thinking, like, okay, who could – I was trying to assemble, like, the best five picks that you might be able to get in a 10-team league I, or something. I, I don't know. I was just, you know. So I, I understand that, and obviously Antonio Brown's a big one there, but I just – I don't know. I have this feeling that Jeremy Macklin will finish top 10, top 8, somewhere right there. I'm really high on him because it's just – I understand the health concerns. I understand everything else that goes into it. Yeah, they might run the ball, but it's it's. I mean, you're talking about like maybe week seven, eight, nine before that gets all figured out. I think you're going to see Nick Foles throw plenty until they you know start respecting that wide receiver game. I think he can be uh, get a big jump ahead, and his schedule is not that hard, guys. That's I, that's the that's the other thing that goes into it for me too. But I don't know, Jeremy Macklin, top five, too crazy there, uh, James Elser. Yeah, I think it's a little too crazy, and I, I think Tony alluded to it. It's it's more than anything when I'm. I'm picking in the top five. I'm picking someone that I have confidence in that will someone I feel is safe. You know, I'm never I'm not going to go for the ultimate home run in that top five unless it's someone who's also safe. And I think with Macklin, with a guy who we just haven't seen stay on the field for a full season in two years, uh, it's just it's too big a risk in that spot, especially with someone like Antonio Brown, who is Mr. Underrated, who all the guy does is every week go out and catch 10 balls for 100 yards and a touchdown yeah. or two. I mean, he is just the most consistent guy you could possibly have. I'm, I'm happy Tony brought him up because he just doesn't get enough play. He doesn't get mentioned enough. Uh, you know, going into Carolina this past week, one of the best defenses in football, 90 and two touchdowns. Uh, he's just the, the heart, you know the heart and soul of that passing offense. And uh, I, I love the Antonio Brown mention, but I love Mac too. I own him in a couple of leagues. I'm really, really excited about what we've seen. And, and look, if he stays healthy, the potential is certainly there in that offense and that scheme as the number one guy to be a top five, top 10 player. Uh, I just think the risk is too great to take him in that top five. Yeah. And the, you know, I, I'm switching just into uh, running back mode here again. I'm, I'm just kind of overseeing the point leaders, in a standard league and gosh, it just looks like somebody took a shredder and just like, or if somebody gave you this list at the beginning of the year, you'd laugh at them. Like it's just, you know, Marshawn Lynch, DeMarco Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Giovanni Bernard, who's by the way, one guy that I was uh, way too low on. Absolutely way too. Actually the next two guys, Shot Jennings as well has been a monster, especially that if was my boy. Especially if you're in a PPR league, I love Rashad. I t- I talked Rashad up all preseason. Yeah, you did. I mean, like, you really nailed it on that. And the other oh, sorry, fourth ahead, round. Tim. Oh no, I was just gonna say I got him in the fourth round. A lot of people got him in the fourth round, fifth round. Uh, anybody who did is really really happy about that. I got him in the sixth round of a PPR. It was amazing. Just great value for those guys there. Same with Terrence West. And Isaiah Crowell, who, you know, what's I, I, just curious, Tony, who do you think is going to come out of that debate? And do you think that um, it's worth holding on to both of them long term, considering we're not really sure? What, I mean, Ben Tate's supposed to come back after uh, the bye, if I'm not mistaken. But um, if you're going to hold on to either one of those guys, are you still holding on to West? Are you still going with Isaiah? Where are you going there? 
Uh, I'm holding on to West. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I like I like Kroll. Uh, Kroll, I'm not exactly sure how you uh, how he wants his name said. Uh, <laughs> I just like I like the consistency with West. It, it looks like you know right off the bat uh, he's playing better than he did in preseason, and they're they're going to expect some good things out of him. Uh, I do not have confidence that Tate's going to secure the job when he gets back. I think Kroll's not a, a bad player to own, um, uh, but I would be much more hesitant starting him each week he does have a couple of touchdowns and he's getting he's getting some touches for sure but uh, going forward it looks like that west is going to be the getting uh, a little bit more uh, a little bit more work yeah it definitely seems that there are a bunch of people in cleveland that are basically crying out for his name of saying get this guy the ball more he's a much better running back than terrence west but i just don't know if they're eventually even going to make that change and um, the other, uh, <laughs> uh, I gotta I eat a little bit of crow here. Cause, uh, I was going back and forth with James a lot last week about our good friend, Bobby Rainey and that whole Doug Martin situation down in Tampa. But, um, yeah, I mean, it still put up an okay game if you were in a PPR league, but not a good time and not a good place for him to be fumbling the ball around when, you know, Atlanta's kicking him up and down the field there. Doug Martin is kind of scheduled to uh, looks like he will come back and start this week. How are you feeling about that, uh, Mr. James Elter? It's funny too because I, I did give you a lot of crap for Rainey, yeah. and you were you were very very high on on Bob Bob Rainey, but uh, <laughs> Bob. I, I I actually I mean watching him play, he he's electric. He really does look good. He makes moves that you don't expect him to make. Uh, he's quick. He can catch the ball of the backfield, you know, minus the two fumbles. I thought he was the best player on the field for Tampa in that game, which, which again, is not saying much as they freaking stunk. We all saw it, you know, 50, 56 to 14 is, is about as bad as it gets in the NFL. But I, I thought he was their best offensive player. I thought he brought a spark every time he was in the game. He made things happen. Uh, obviously, the fumble's an issue, but I, I actually really like Bobby Rainey, and I, I get why there's the reports that the coaches like him and that he's going to be a part of the uh, the game plan, even if Doug Martin is healthy. So, you know, kind of moving forward, I'm, I'm almost uh, kind of a stay away on that Tampa Bay backfield. I don't want anything to do with Doug Martin. Uh, you know, the in, between the injuries, the lack of production, I, I just... I don't need Doug Martin in my life or on my fantasy team, but I kind of like Rainey as a guy to kind of stick at the back end of your roster. And and if these injury issues keep coming up for Martin, as you know, the majority of his career we've seen, whether it's the same type of recurring stuff or not, he has been injured quite a bit. Uh, so I kind of like Rainey as a, as a stash moving forward. Tony, I know you got to go, my friend. I just want to get your final thoughts as we're going into this week. Yeah, uh, real quick, I was just going to say I was involved in uh, having to deal Brandon Marshall, or I'm working on dealing Brandon Marshall right now. It looks like for Drew Brees or Andrew Luck. Uh, and I was reminded of my draft, and this just sort of goes to uh, anybody who thinks about these things when they're drafting, is at no point should you ever worry about your bye weeks when you're going into a draft. I, I was in the, I had a, a position where I could have taken Philip Rivers, uh, but he had the same bye week as RG3. I figured, well, I might as well just wait for Carson Palmer. I did. Carson Palmer goes down. You never know what your team's going to look like later in the year. After three weeks, everything is so shaken up, so different that if you have, uh, you know, two quarterbacks or two tight ends or your two top running backs who are on the same bye week, who cares? Doesn't matter. Your team is going to look different, particularly if we're talking week 10. We're in week four and everybody's team looks different. So when you're going into your draft, I even I don't even look at the bye week. Scratch them off. Don't worry about them at all. 
and draft the best player at the time that he's available. That's yeah, that's uh, actually real great advice, and it goes through. We had an earlier question in the week about about that too, and um, yeah, it's a, a very very important point just to draft the best player player available because then you're not in a situation like Mr. Tony Casale is right now. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week, bud. I love you guys. Have a wonderful week. And with that, uh, let's get into the Twiff uh, mailbag, or we should uh, just start calling it the Mario mailbag because he is the man. Mario Z, always checking in. Thank you so much for listening and, of course, always hanging out with us. Uh, first is the matchup question. 12-team league standard. Pick two out of three. Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Johnson, Mike Wallace. Who do you have, my friend? John, uh, I, I guess actually I was going to say who would have thought, but you're probably the only person who would have thought that <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin would be the most obvious start on this list. Uh, I never saw that comment that you hear those three names, and in my mind, the the only one I'm sure of is Kelvin Benjamin. How, how crazy, crazy is that, John? Right? It's crazy. I mean, it like, is. But I, I, I like. I like. Trust me, I like. I didn't love him fantasy wise. I loved him as you know, like the next Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver. But um, it. Uh, yeah, the the production out of him has been insane. All the things you hear about, just kind of like you know the drops, the issues that he had in college, and now he can't get separation and all this other stuff. He's catching every tough ball for the most part, and just a great addition for the Carolina Panthers right now. Yeah, the kid's a, a total stud. So uh, I think you start Calvin every week unless. You know, you, there's some kind of ridiculous matchup or he's hurt or something like that. Uh, the other two is actually kind of a tough question. It's yeah. kind of weird because, you know, you figure Andre Johnson's a start no matter what, but it, it almost seems like he's uh, allergic to the end zone or something like that. I mean, well, when was the last time Andre Johnson scored a touchdown? It has to be at least, you know, seven, eight games. I don't even remember. <laughs> Definitely dating back to last season. So, um, and then on top of that, you know, Johnson hasn't looked great. He had a good game the first game of the season, a uh, uh, mediocre game game two a, a bad game in game three um so you know you're a little worried about that and, and then you look at the texans i believe play the bills the bills which yeah. is a nice defense a, a good front seven a good defense a, a decent secondary so and you know Miami I, I, with I, Oakland, that, I almost feel like you got to go mike wallace even with all the issues with tano you, you think about the whole you know is he the starter is he not whatever it is but I, it's, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think I would probably start Benjamin and Wallace this week. Here's my awful advice here, Mario. Flip a coin, 10 minutes to kick off. And I'm and I'm serious because there's – I'm in the same boat. I mean, obvi- the obvious matchup should be it's the Raiders, it's Mike Wallace. But, man, I mean, I just – they haven't been – I don't know what they're doing down there. Bill Lazor's not exactly doing a bang-up job or Philbin or whoever the hell is calling the plays, but it just seems to me that – I don't know. Tannehill's not on this. Yeah, they just seem the off. Their yeah. offense just seems off. When it, you watch them play, there's no fluidity. It, it doesn't seem like Tannehill and his receivers have any sort of of connection whatsoever. It, it just it doesn't seem like anybody knows what everyone else is doing, and it, it just looks off. It really does. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, it's a ter- it's almost terrible advice, but seriously, flip a coin because I, I I and. It, I shouldn't say that. If I'm leaning anyway, I'm probably still leaning Wallace just because the matchup's better. But, man, I don't I don't know. That's uh, that's a real tough one. So I'm not even sure if we really helped you there, bud. But uh, definitely Calvin Benjamin and I, I would. Play like Calvin Benjamin. That's for our sure, best yeah. Absolutely, right there, yeah. 100%. So uh, Mario also checking in because he's awesome. Players to stash for later. Mark Ingram, Sean Marino, Josh Gordon. Who do you like out of that trio? I actually really like all three and, and own all three on separate teams. 
I don't think you can go too wrong here, Mario. I, I think, look, Ingram's going to be back the quickest. I, I think he could be back in a couple weeks. Seems like he's healing relatively quickly. He wants to get back out there. Ingram looked great. Uh, you're hearing reports that no Sean will be back week six. You're a little worried. You watch Lamar Miller, the dude at 100 yards on like 15 carries. Looks really good. Um, and, and then Gordon, it's just, I think it's got to be either Ingram or Moreno just based on the timing. Um, it, it's a really long time. Josh Gordon is not going to be back till week 12. You don't even know if you're going to be, you know, in the hunt. I, I, look, if you're a three and O team, I think you take a much longer look at Josh Gordon than if you're one and two, oh and three and you need to win some games. But for me, I guess between Ingram and Moreno, I, I probably like Moreno's talent a little better, but I like Ingram. The fact that Ingram's going to be back a little sooner. Uh, uh, John, I hate to do it again. It's almost like a coin flip between the two. I, I, <laughs> I'd probably pick up Moreno just based on the fact that we've seen Moreno be a, a top five, top 10 running back in fantasy before. And, and Ingram's never done it. He looked great, but who knows what will happen after this broken hand. If he comes back the same way, if Kyrie Robinson takes advantage of the next couple of games, Pierre Thomas is still there. So um, I, I think I'd go Moreno, especially with the reports. He's going to be back in week six, potentially, which is much faster than anyone thought. So, same, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the same. And I'd actually kind of like to see his bench before. I mean, like, I, I would think maybe if there's like a Devontae Adams or somebody else hanging out and, you know, some other guy you don't want, I'd almost consider stashing them both. They're both available out there. I agree. That's uh, my thinking. I, I really agree. They're both great stashes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah something to go forward. If you have to pick one, I'm I'm kind of with James, though. I think I go with uh, I go with Marino. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because, uh, again, he's done it before. He was showing uh, what he can do, and I'm not sure if they can, they'll end up uh, learning how to throw the ball down in Miami. But, uh, James, we're going to wrap everything up. Uh, thank you so much for joining us as well, uh, all the everybody out there in listener land. But I uh, want to get your final thoughts before you go uh, get out of here for week uh, number four. Uh, John, here are my final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a ton of them, but but with bye weeks coming up, it's always that kind of time of the year where you have to make big roster decisions. Uh, you know, should I drop this guy who might be valuable for me for someone who I need this week, whether it's a kicker, a defense, whether you're down three running backs, whatever it is. Um, I would always lean towards looking towards the future. Uh, I think kind of what Tony was saying in a draft of not worrying too much about your bye weeks. I would kind of say the same thing in season. Don't drop someone who can really help you in multiple weeks to try and just win this one week. So uh, my advice would be if you have to go without a kicker for a week or, or if you have to go without a defense for a week, I think that's a better move in a lot of cases than dropping someone who is valuable to your team. Look, if it's a good player, but you're never going to play him, you've got six guys ahead of them at the same position who, you know, the guy's never going to touch your, your roster. That's fine. That's a different story. But in terms of if it's someone who can really play for you moving forward, I don't think I would necessarily drop them just because they had a buy to kind of fill someone in or, or if they were injured or whatever it may be. Absolutely agree. And uh, my final thoughts, Jeremy Macklin, top eight wide receiver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've, you've gone back from top five overall to top eight wide receiver. I like it. I like it. Oh, man. Well, for uh, Tony Casali, for myself, John Barchard, and, of course, James Zeltzer, we thank you so much for listening to This Week in Fantasy right here on BGN Radio. You've been listening to This Week in Fantasy. Fueled by Duncan Philly. Radio.